welcome back to another episode of the Big DK Energy Podcast. My name is Danny K, or the DK um, in the DK Energy, and this is the new studio. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but I will say, though, this is a very impressive studio that has been started by actually a former guest, Mr. Brody Vinson of The Profession Session, with his business partner, Devin, and it is located here in downtown Orlando, and I am decided to stop by just to check it out and get their side of the story as well in terms of what they're going to provide for uh, podcasters or wannabe podcasters for the downtown Orlando area. So with that all being said and done, we're going to dive right into it. Please help me in welcoming today's guests, Mr. Brody Vinson and Mr. Devin Roberts. Thanks for having us, Danny, and thank you for stopping by the studio. Yeah, I was about to say, thank you for having me. This is your content corner. Thanks for having us digitally, and thanks for being here physically. Of course, yeah. No, this is a this is a great setup. I'm very jealous. We've been waiting you, for a you. long time to come on DK Energy, or at least I have. I guess you've already been on here once, but I've been listening to the podcast for a while before I actually got a chance. To well, appreciate it, and yeah. uh, hopefully it didn't put you to sleep. No, no, no. Great podcast, of course. I appreciate you, man. And even if even if it was bad, you can tell me, and I'll be like, it's all right, because content's still got to go out regardless. <laughs> no, no, no. You, I, I think it's pretty high quality, Danny. I appreciate it, but what what is high quality is one, the studio, but two, how you two are dressed. Like, I didn't oh, get the memo. You. What the heck? Well, this guy's he's got a pretty fancy promotion with work recently, so he's always wearing suits now, and he let me know he was going to be wearing one, so I had to. Yeah, you had to show brother out. Yeah, just a little, just a little. I've been dressing like this pretty much every day for oh my god months now like two or three months now so it's become my regular outfits at this point see that's the thing when i went to college i knew i didn't want a job that wore a suit every day because i mean i don't know about you but for me i feel like if i wore a suit every day i wouldn't look good in a suit anymore because it's like i wear it every day i definitely Fair. feel that with how much i've worn it where now it's like to the point of where if i don't wear it almost i'm either like and my girlfriend will look at me, I'll be on sweatpants for the day, just come. It's a whole nother person. Yeah, she's like, wait a minute, you need to brush your hair. <laughs> What's going on here? I kind of sought out not having to wear a suit every day for my job either, even though I'm wearing one today. This is a little out of the ordinary. Yeah, but, but it's dapper. A, thank you, thank you. I sought it out for a different reason. It was my dad grew up wearing suits pretty much every day for work, and he was just sweating all the time. And I was just like, we live in Florida. This is not tenable. Right. <laughs> it sucks how some things that are deemed professional are considered unprofessional, even though that it makes sense sense climate wise in fact you know i realized what makes a collared shirt more professional than a regular one is it an extra piece of fabric and we've just been taught that a collared shirt is more professional sharp angles maybe i don't think a Buttons. collared shirt's more professional i would say it is depends on what job like if i saw roofers and your shirt looks shirts. more professional than my t-shirt right i mean now. maybe i guess that's, <laughs> that might be true but you got the suit on and everything fair vest I don't know. We have a big policy at work about people they have to wear. It's, it's not about as much collared shirts, but it's definitely about them having, like, matching shirts and things that look uniform to, like, our company logos and um, messaging and things of that nature. So that's a big reason we don't let people just wear whatever they want around, at least. Okay. I've, kind of, I've kind of taken a little bit more of an adoption to that recently. Brand consistency. Yeah, you know. brand consistency. All that's right. really what it I is, mean, actually. I mean, listen, whatever works with the company, I and mean, you know, why reinvent the wheel? Right, exactly. Exactly. At one point, I'm going to have to upgrade my studio, but you guys are there. So why don't you give us a little rundown about, you know, what went into coming up with this your little content corner yeah i mean it kind of just happened naturally i would say i mean it was it's been an evolution over a few months we probably first kind of conceptualized it in maybe like march or april i would say yeah probably about march i think yeah and um and i had moved back here and devin really liked orlando from visiting it where are you from 
Uh, I'm originally from Jacksonville, so we're just a little bit up north, not very Duval. Far. Yeah, Duval. And so I'm from Jacksonville, too. Devin and I actually have known each other since fifth, sixth, or seventh grade. Um, been really great friends since and ended up just kind of thinking of this idea together. And We both have other jobs, but wanted to build this studio together and hopefully kind of make it into some kind of side business and kind of evolved from there. We just thought of it. Um, I had started doing the podcast and kind of hoped to have a studio eventually. And Devin was getting into content recording of his own through work and through some personal endeavors. So just kind of grew into a thing from there. And we started building it when we had the time and over the past few months come together. And it's now in fruition. We're here. Devin, you got something to say? Yeah, I'm sure it's super similar. I'm sure you're aware, Danny, as much as anything is we realized as we were trying to do our content for our individual projects, Brody's podcast and some of the things I've been working on, that a lot of the setup time and effort to actually get the podcast together, get the cameras, the lighting, everything Ryan actually make it happen wound up being the time it took to do that wound up being more overhead than actually the paying or getting the podcast studio together in itself. So that's all that is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Although it cost us a little bit, I think the biggest reason that we decided to get into it was just the ease of access for us to be able to make and record our own content as much as anything else. I mean, that's the best part because even though that you're putting all that money up front for something that costs a bit more than what an average person is willing to spend, you at least have access to all of that. And that's the best part because you don't have to keep bringing in people to keep creating content because that's the thing. It's like I've done shoots once for a company, but I realize that content can only last you so long before it becomes dry. Another huge thing while we're kind of on this tangent is so when we first started thinking about kind of recording more content regularly and I I was doing the podcast and he was doing his stuff we started looking into renting a studio regularly and there are actually a lot of options out there for it but the crazy thing like in here in the Orlando area yeah even here in the Orlando area there's a couple options even with podcast studios there's one Venture X over next to Treehouse okay actually I definitely know about that one that's yeah they have a company there called Mad Crumbs Crumbs Media I don't know but um have you ever been to a spot that claimed oh we're a podcast studio but then when you got there it was like super sketchy oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. i've definitely seen a few of those yeah i mean venture x had a pretty decent studio in there but the thing with them was they were pretty expensive like they had a full studio set up and even like people to help you with video edit- editing and like audio engineers there but it was like a minimum of 70 bucks an hour just to be in there recording and then if you wanted any help aside from that, it was like 100, 100 plus, even 150 or 200 bucks an hour. So we were like, yeah. okay, that's not really a sustainable way to do this. And the other thing about them is their hours were nine to five, Monday through Friday. And we've kind of talked about this before, but a lot of times, I mean, I don't know if we're even within those bounds still. We're Just barely. We'll be after five by the time we're done recording this probably. Most of the time, you can't really make that work if you're trying to record with people that have full-time jobs. I mean, that's why I make the studio at my apartment, because if it's 2 a.m. that someone needs to, yeah, I can be available now. I'm like, yeah, fine. Yeah. We got very we lucky with the place we picked, too, as far as um, the plaza that we picked here has been wonderful. It was working with us, allowing us to like mount and put up things on the walls and customize it to the point of the podcast studio that it needs to be. I find a lot of buildings aren't open as late as we've been able to allow here, and that's given us a lot of flexibility as far as getting this place together. Now that you mention it, the tiling on the walls, how did you get that on there? Is that glue, or is that like the double-sided tape? They actually just came with like a little, like you rip off the little sticky stick thing. And and peeled, sticky and peeled, almost like double-sided tape. Yeah. 
yeah. It wound up being one of the largest investments in the studio, actually. wound up being all the boards on the walls that make it look black here behind us for people who are watching. But that also wound up being arguably the best investment that we made. Yeah, because it's, it's kind of a dual purpose, right? It encapsulates the audio and keeps it in the room and keeps you a little insulated in that way like you usually need in a studio. But it also kind of worked as a little bit of a decoration for the back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this audio is super crispy. Super crisp, Thank super you. crisp. And it looks that is back. high praise coming from another podcast. Host. Yeah, it, yeah, this, yeah. This is uh, really nice. This You're gonna make me blush about my audio. Oh, <laughs> <Damn>. that's cute. <laughs> anyway, so since I've last spoken to you, uh, Brody, Profession Sessions really has sped up its production, or not sped up its production, but the quality has gone much better. In fact, congrats on hitting 100 subscribers. On thank YouTube. you, thank you. You beat me to it, so congrats. I've been really prioritizing YouTube over some other things, actually. Well, a few different reasons. I really prioritize like the video version of the podcast just because I feel like it's more of a full experience. Correct. Unfortunately, only audio is kind of dead. Yeah, I think so too, actually. It's interesting that you say that. And it was really strong for a while, even like when I first got into podcasting. But I've actually noticed myself getting more and more away from just the audio and watching the video with it when I can. Even if I'm like in the middle of things, I'll usually be running it on YouTube anyway, just because there's that option there. It just adds a little something to it. I'm curious what you think is responsible for that move to full video. This is what I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you too, but I personally believe that it's because you can kind of see the face of who's speaking. It's not like a book where you kind of imagine the character in your head. It's like, wow, it really looks like this, but then when it's like movily adapted, it's like this person looks nothing like it, and now I'm upset. Well, you know, now they at least they can put a face, and it's like a bit more trustworthy, if that makes sense. Yeah. Personal, if nothing else. That's, well, ex personal that's exactly the word I'm looking for, personal. No, that definitely does it. Like, although this is our first time meeting, right? I feel like right. I've seen you so much on video before today that I have at least like a small standing of how your podcast goes and things of that nature where maybe if it had been just been audio and I saw you today maybe I had a, a completely different picture of you in my mind you know what I mean I think there's advantages to that for you and for anyone who's doing podcasts I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting point Devin I mean I'm not saying it's like catfishing but it's like <laughs> I don't know because it's not like oh I'm excited to meet this person because of how they look it's because of how they sound it's like that backhanded compliment you only have a face fit for radio yeah. <laughs> well I guess if you do only have a face for radio, I don't know, it's a it's a weird time moving to video, but well, if you have a face good enough for a podcast, you can be like a video podcast, and then it's That's like, true. boom. There's the option for both people, but it's it's interesting you use the word catfish. I remember when I first got into like listening to podcasts, I always used to like just out of interest scroll down and find the names of the hosts and look them up, and a lot of times it would just be very very different from your expectation. It was just kind of like, huh, but it's it's cool to have the video and just to see the face behind the name. Especially if they're not putting faces on their thumbnails or anything else. They got to at least see what you look like. A couple yeah. Of yeah. Do you know what is really weird, though? I'm going to sound like a real jerk when I say this, but like, <laughs> not that it gives me bad vibes, but it's like if I add you on Facebook or some kind of social media channel, the people who have anime profile pictures, it's like, you don't look like Goku, man. I'm sorry. You know, I like some anime profile pictures. I do those NFT profile pictures. On anime. Yeah, I, I mean, I do the, I don't like anime profile pictures. I'll give it that. That's just like, I don't know, somewhat cringy to me at this point. It's like something I did in Fair. middle school. But I like NFT profile pictures that are like NFT. drawn. So that's, I guess, similar in a way. I guess I like it depends like what you're into because that's a big side hustle of yours too. So it was like a thing you were promoting. Yeah, but I also picked NFTs that look like me with specific thought of them being my profile. You're into so it's both. You're in NFTs? Yeah, yeah, I really like NFTs. I'm a big NFT investor, period, just um, in general. And I was kind of through the, I wouldn't say the very beginning of like the NFT renaissance, but kind of got on the second wave when that's uh, just as they were dying off, started investing in them. We launched a small NFT project just to test out the market, did a few little things with it, but 
blah blockchain technology research and stuff going into some of the projects that we're currently working on okay so i've always wanted to get into nfts but all i know about them is like if you're an artist you can draw them and like make millions of dollars or something like that we did a whole profession <laughs> session episode on this actually i think it was episode 10 i i had devin on to talk about it i would say like i definitely want to hear devin's take on it too but the biggest perspective I left with it was like thinking about long-term application for business, right? Mm -hmm. You can do these things called smart contracts that really allow you to be able to trace the ownership of something all the way back. And so if there was some kind of business dealing where you had like a smart contract attached to it and there was some kind of business dispute or something like over ownership or contract terms or something, you could actually trace it back all the way to like the original ownership and see like whenever it's changed hands, whenever there's been some kind of exchange hmm. and no for a fact through like a completely unbreakable encryption that it is exactly what it says it is and claims to be. I think that's the single biggest long-term application of it aside from just like the art thing and like and that because I think that was a little bit more of a bubble that we're seeing pop a little bit. I was about to say like is there any um, hope for NFTs because I don't know I've been hearing a lot of mixed things. What's your take on that Devin? The NFTs as a whole or as Brady said I personally think the more I've looked into them that they're kind of a fad. The reason NFTs popped off is because of the blockchain technology behind them which is just it's a transaction technology that makes it significantly easier to do decentralized transactions online, meaning there's no company or third party behind it processing these transactions, right? It's just the algorithm or the software that's running that's processing these transactions. I try to tell people like a good example of it would be, let's say you wanted to buy a house, right? Yeah. And the history of that house, you may not know when you're buying it, someone could have got murdered. It's haunted. Yeah, it haunted because <laughs> someone could have got murdered in that house and the company that you're buying it from could be covering up. And there's no real way for you to be able to check that. You can go on the internet and you can look through things, but at any point throughout the process, it could have been hidden covered up, deleted, whatever that is. Blockchain technology, there's no one controlling a back end of it. So once something's attached to it, once something's on the blockchain, it's there forever, making transactions that people make, especially things over time like cars, houses, like we talked about um, concert tickets are mm -hmm. a really good example. It's a fantastic technology for that and for actually processing transactions. What people were doing is they were attaching ownership uh, pieces of art to this blockchain. So you make this transaction and then here on the blockchain proves you own this piece of art, proves that you bought it, similarly mm. to a receipt. So it's and, like no one can Photoshop it or something like that? Right, kind of, but at the same time, I can just screenshot it and post it and not claim ownership, and there's absolutely no difference. But let's say that one of your favorite TV shows, I don't know, like let's say Game of Thrones, okay. made an NFT for every one of their characters individually, right? Mm -hmm. And said, if you own this NFT, you have the rights to use that character in your promotional material. Just you own the NFT, guarantee use of the promotion. If you decide you don't want to use it anymore, you know, you fall off using it, then you can sell it. That NFT to someone else who might use it. Uh, the okay. value behind that would, not only for you to buy, but then to be able to immediately on a similar market sell if you decide to stop using it is absolutely incredible. It's a good way to, I guess, track digital transactions more than it actually is about the art attached to them. Hmm, okay. Or in that particular example, if you own the rights to Jon Snow, the intellectual property of the character of 
Game of Thrones. You could, and you're maybe we were talking about Celsius, the company earlier, the energy drink company. You could do a Celsius commercial where Jon Snow's chugging a bunch of Celsius, snow flavored Celsius, and you could make money off of that. And ghost flavored, ghost flavored, ghost flavored, exactly, without any fear of any clawback from (laughs) Game of Thrones. Ghost lemonade. (laughs) Yeah, you can also do it in the form of an investment. If you had done that episode one of Game of Thrones back originally, because you were a big reader of the books and you knew this was going to blow up and you still had that today it would be unbelievably valuable and if you could watch where it had changed hands uh, show a history of it becoming I, more valuable i mean yeah, it would be invaluable but then that last season i'm sorry yeah no. <laughs> maybe not uh, today jeez what about house of dragons yeah, are you watching that i still need to get caught up i haven't seen the transition into adulthood yet but um brace yourself for that not that it's bad <laughs> it's just shocking it's a lot it's game of thrones and george rr R. martin is anything really shocking about that though they never did a time skip like that in the old season, though. This is a big one. Like, it's, I don't know if it's a spoiler to say how long it is. It's 10 years. No, I mean, you know, like, I know about the history of Westeros, so it's yeah. like. Yeah, they had old lore videos that they would release with the the seasons of Game of Thrones where there was like a 45-minute clip afterward that would go over the stories of like the history of the world. So I know everything. That yeah, yeah. I remember so seeing like... some of those like during the original show. That's the coolest thing about this prequel is that like it gives so much more context to that. Right. But yeah. I, I've really liked the show so far. It's been awesome, the new one. Honestly, it's like, I like it, but knowing that, is it brand that sits on the <laughs> I mean, it's just- It ruins everything knowing that that happens eventually. Yeah. The I, worst decision. Right? The one who knows the most stories. Yeah. Bran. That is the author self-insert if I've ever seen one. That the is- The guy who knows the that's most interesting. stories. That's interesting. That's a good take. That's probably true. Yeah, not about- Yeah, I guess he has the wisdom to make good decisions, but- other than that, he's he's just not a very inspiring king. What good decisions did he make ever in the whole story? Fair. God. Give me one. The first decision he makes in the show gets him crippled. Yeah, no, he makes no good decisions. <laughs> that That's right. But that eventually leads him to being the Three-Eyed Raven. So was it bad at the time? Yeah, but it was all part of the greater good. Although I will say one th- thing that I'm irked about is as someone that studies a military history, the d- defense setup for Winterfell was god awful <laughs> and it like pissed me off well that and also i couldn't see anything that episode yeah it was so dark i remember that too like the entire scene where they're like flying around on the dragons and stuff like you have no idea yeah i was turning off the brightness on my tv i'm like yeah. is something broken on here no. everything past battle of the bastards was horrid as far as battle scenes go battle of the bastards is one of the best battle scenes of all time and then everything from there was downhill imagine if they just ended it with battle of the bastards and Jon snow just ascending to the throne perfect Okay, that works. Oh, and the worst part is the Golden Company was supposed to have a huge impact in the books, but, like, they got torched within, like, two episodes. Yeah, the, the yeah. three seasons of build-up for the Golden Company to just have them absolutely destroyed in three seconds felt terrible. Absolutely terrible. A lot left to be desired. A lot left season. to be desired. Hopefully Personally, they don't fumble the bag like that for House of Dragons. Personally, I think uh, Cersei's death was too quick and easy. Agreed. Agreed also. Nothing I mean, to cheer at. I want something to cheer at. Yeah. The one thing I will say is I feel like part of, like a big part of Game of Thrones is that they do not necessarily always cater to the fans and give the fans what they want. Like a lot of the realism of it is that things don't happen the way you would love them to. Then that was a poor decision. <laughs> Fair, but that is very realistic. Like the Red Wedding. Oh, God. That was terrible. There's something, so, without giving any spoilers, there's something fairly similar in House of Dragons. 
Oh, is there? That's like the ultimate. Not too far off. Ultimate betrayal. That's just horrible. Guess the underlying message there is there's no peace in the Game of Thrones. None. <laughs> Let them know, Brody. Huh? Yeah. But how about that payback when uh, when Arya came back and just killed them all for it? Oh, uh, yeah. That especially was... eating the meat pies. How does it yeah. feel, Walter Frey? Yeah. Walter Frey. <laughs> Oh, speaking of Arya and the Battle of Winterfell, that that uh, scene of her in the library with all the um, White Walkers. Oh my God! Just that the was... amount of anxiety, <laughs> especially like um, when one was about to yell up, but then like she immediately stabbed him in the throat. Yeah, I was like, man, talk about perfect timing. That was the most like scary movie part of the whole thing. Do you like scary movies? I'm okay about them. Like it's not my go-to, but you know I won't mind watching them. What about you? Too. Love them. I saw, I'd ask because I literally just a couple nights ago saw one of the best scary movies I've seen. Probably the best one I've seen all year. One of the best ones in a while. Smile. You heard about that? Oh, my my girlfriend refuses to go see Smile because it's so scared of it. I just, me and my girlfriend just saw it on like Wednesday night and it was so intense. I mean, it was like just the entire time you're like on the edge of your seat because it's just a lot of like classic jump scares. Okay. I mean, usually that is the formula. So did you guys see how they were promoting that Smile movie? They sent an actor or different actors like out to behind um, news producers and sporting events, like behind home plate at baseball, major league baseball events and things of that nature and actually had them like do that creepy smile into the camera and people were just obviously posting it everywhere on social media fantastic promotion i won't give too much away but the concept of it is just so scary too like the concept of the whole movie is something that like once you've seen it you're like ooh, like i just don't want anyone to smile at me in real <laughs> life at all like yeah um <laughs> another scary movie this kind of ties back in um that came out this year nope it was the latest Jordan Peele movie. There's yeah. a whole scene where a chimpanzee is like a, he's like part of a show. It's like a sitcom or something. And they're doing like a birthday party scene. And the chimpanzee just goes off the walls and like goes bananas. Goes, <laughs> goes bananas. Hey, hey, hey. And just like kills the whole cast. It's insane. It was like the worst scene. Don't mess with chimpanzees. Do not mess with chimpanzees. If there's anything you take from this episode at all. Don't mess with chimpanzees. That's right. Don't raise them. Don't put a diaper on them and carry them around as your kid. Yeah. They are wild freaking animals. Do not throw them a birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are now back from our break. Nice. And, uh, Great to be back. Yeah. Reminds me of the time that I went to Korea for two weeks um, in 2018. And I came back right for July 4th. I loved being in Korea, but America, I love you. I think July 4th is actually my favorite holiday. There's just something about like the sheer spirit of it. Like the day drinking, you cannot beat. The all day day drinking, every memory I have of it of the last five years, it's just sunny and everyone's outside just having a great time, like in board shorts running around. I mean, I, I just love the vibe of it. Fourth of July is probably the best holiday, to yeah. be honest. I was thinking about it pretty hard. It's actually July 4th that started my uh, photography career. It was at a ZBT party. That's when I just got a DSLR and um, the thing is that I just wanted to start a YouTube channel, but I didn't have time to make videos. But I'm like, well, I was just named photographer of my fraternity, so why not take this baby out for a spin? And so everyone was like, Danny, you're going to get drunk and fall in the pool. I'm like, that's what you would do, not me. And <laughs> I sent all my photos to everybody, and then I passed out because it's that pre-rally nap that everyone needs to take before they go back out. Right. And then I woke up to a bunch of tags um, on my Instagram, and I was thinking, oh, this felt pretty cool. Now we're all here in your studio. Oh, yeah. It's funny how... Funny how life works out sometimes. 
getting that um the social interaction through doing the photography had to be one of the best parts about it that's why i've noticed is that it gives the photographers wind up being some of the most social people in their community for sure uh, yeah. you've been the king of that I, before I, I ever even like knew you i just remember seeing you like around all over the different events bars social gatherings with your camera just kind of like documenting the whole thing like i i knew of you way before i knew you because of that hmm. interesting well sorry if i didn't uh, know you at the time but now we're here but um yeah it's um it got kind of bad because like there would be a bunch of girls that'd be like hi danny do i know you danny we've met like five times <laughs> and then i'm like uh was it at a gig because you know i meet a lot of people at these things <laughs> not to sound conceited but that's just but how I know it was. a lot of people no, no 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 a lot of people know me Big difference. <laughs> yeah big difference and you can't speak to what happens when you're in business mode. You're all business, baby. Correct, exactly. And girls felt very comfortable around that because, unfortunately, I've heard of photographers abusing our occupation for malicious intents. Really? Oof. It's embarrassing, and it makes all of us freaking look like, not all of us, but it can lead to some kind of a pervy. Yeah, yeah. I could definitely see that. I mean, like, look. I feel like I've met people that border on that before. There's definitely some bad actors in every space, I think. Oh, God. Have you ever experienced those kind of people, Devin? Oh, for sure, for sure. Just people who are using it for less than scrumptious means, I guess. Uh, I mean, but I know a lot of people who do the other as well. So I'd say I know more people who are doing right by it than I mm -hmm. know are doing. It. I would say the same. That's yeah. good. Yeah, that was, that was my thought. I would say the same about like most industries. I think that there's more people there for the right reasons than the wrong. At least I like to have that perspective. Makes me sleep better at night. Well, that's good. Well, hopefully something makes you sleep better at night because as an insomniac, not sleeping very well is not that great. It kind of comes with the territory of being a little bit of an entrepreneur. I know you are too. You've got your full-time thing, but you've also got a lot of stuff that you juggle on the side. And that's that's kind of what happens when you're an entrepreneur. I don't know about an entrepreneur, but I like extra money. You know what I mean? Extra that's a perspective, money. yeah. I would say so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like money. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I would, I would say you, you bore on. It for sure. I mean, you're just as a podcast host in general, like you pursue a lot of different things, whether it's all about business or not. You just have a lot of interest, it seems like. True. I mean, both of you are eclectic individuals as well. And then I was actually looking at um, someone's TikTok today of a friend of mine. Her name is Kayla, just past the bar. And she's an influencer as well. But she was like, you know, what am I? And apparently, one of the things she put was podcast host. And I'm like, is podcast host considered a job? I mean, I'm not making any money off of it, but I guess it's pretty cool. <laughs> That's where I'm at, too. Not making money directly off of it, but I'd say the biggest reason why I do it is because it just, like, it puts me in more situations where things can happen. Like, as someone who likes to be involved in different business things and different pursuits all over the place it just helps you get into more situations i mean the three of us might not be sitting here right now if there wasn't a podcast involved and here we are having a cool conversation about different stuff yeah this uh, conversation is cooler than ice <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen a fight club i have yeah, yeah. <laughs> the penguin slide yeah <laughs> what happens in fight club club stays in fight club I remember you tried to get me to watch that movie for years and years and years and years. And I was like, Yeah, because I, I didn't know. I just like ran across this movie with Brad Pitt and Edward Norton and was like, Oh, this has to be good. And I watched it and found the twist at the end, like just thinking I'm watching some random movie and flipped my desk and was like, Guys! Yeah, that twist at the end, of course, we're not going to give away for spoil reasons, but my lord, it's just. You, it's all time. Yeah, it's all time. You were not expecting that haymaker, but yet here comes Tyson. Yeah. You yeah, should turn your seat to upright and fasten positions. And Brad Pitt is just, he's one of the best to ever do it. Yeah, for sure. 
Did y'all see Bullet Train? Did I did. Not. I really liked Bullet Train. I loved it too. I, I heard it. it got really bad critical reception. Why? Yeah, yeah. I heard Great. that like a few weeks after. Like it got a lot of bad critical reception. It was so fun. The last movie I ever saw in theaters was Spider Man Far From Home, but it was like four weeks after it came out. So I actually went to the IMAX theater here in downtown. I was the literal only person in the theater. So like when Dr. Octopus came onto the screen, I yelled, yeah. And I'm like, oh, wait, I'm the only one here. Let's <laughs> I got really lucky and I went into that movie completely like blind. I had no idea that all those cameos were going to happen. And I had, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. I've seen like all of them before that, but I, for some reason I was just like busy with work leading up to it. I had seen like maybe a preview and I had seen that like Dr. Dr. Octopus came onto it. So I, I was expecting that and I thought that was cool. But then like when they brought out all of the same old actors and everything, I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Especially since they were able to get everybody back as like Toby and uh, Garfield. But what's your favorite Marvel movie? <sighs> Oh, favorite Marvel movie. Iron Man 1. That's a tough one. one. Iron, Iron Man, Man 1, that's yeah, a classic. I watch Iron Man 1 a lot. Actually. Like, I mean a lot. I remember watching them in the theaters. Yeah, that's one. That's mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite movies of all time. That's so weird that I just said that in the theaters, because that was like 2006 or seven that it came out. That was an old one. Yeah, that was yeah, way back. Was I think I saw it in theaters, too. And then it's so weird to think that we saw beginning of Iron Man, and then, unfortunately, Iron Man passing away. And, and Oof. Too soon. Yeah. Way too soon. Best Still not over that any one. Character, any character in any movie series. Yeah, and Robert Downey Jr. just, I mean, he played that role perfectly. It wasn't even made for him. He was just the role. He was the role. I don't think anyone else in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe nailed their part as well as he did. I mean, it was just perfect. So that's why that loss hit so hard for everyone. He was the best to ever do it. We also get the second Iron Man in... The new Black Panther movie. Oh. Ruby Wilson, female Iron Man. Oh, really? Mantle. Yeah, she's in the show. When does the new one come out? Isn't it like soon? Like within the next few months. But yeah, there's going to be a like that person who takes over the Iron Man mantle in the comics is in the trailer for Black Panther 2. Huh. Oh, nice. Yeah. So is there someone that takes over? The Black Panther. It's gonna be Shuri. It's Shuri. Okay. Okay. It's gonna okay. be Shuri. Yeah, for sure. For Shuri. For Shuri. For Shuri. For Shuri. Sure. Gonna be Shuri at this point. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I think they had to do like a full refilming of that movie, or had to do a yeah for that movie. They just decided they were going completely cut because they got like a little bit of him, and then mm -hmm. and then they were like, we just as respectfully can't mm -hmm. use it, and then didn't, aren't using any yeah, of it. That one was even more. Yeah, that one was actually even more tragic. Worst. I mean, jeez. Black Panther's my favorite. Uh, well, him and Cap are my two favorite heroes, so, like, when I heard that Chadwick Boseman died, I was actually, I was pretty bummed. Oh, that Black one came out of nowhere, too. That might be my favorite Marvel movie. I don't know. Black Panther is a standalone Marvel movie. is absolutely incredible out of this world. So th that's, so that's right up there. So cool and fun to watch, too. Like, the concept of, like, the way their suits work and, like, the fight scenes in that one were definitely my favorite. Michael Jordan definitely being the best Marvel villain as far as just, like, straight cool factor. He was, was savage. He's a he savage, savage, man. There was times in that movie when I first watched it where I found myself, like, rooting for the for villain. For sure. He was just so cool. I mean, you know, also when you hear his backstory, it's like, we can be angry at you and we know that you're the villain, but yet at the same time... You're completely right, and the main character says you're right and faces all his ancestors and tells all of them that you were right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was, like, one of the most relatable backstories, like, understandable. Sup, auntie?
<laughs> that's what Marvel does good though. Like that was the Thanos thing too, is you want a character that's relatable and your villains and that you can actually at least somewhat bond with or care for. I guess I think that's what maybe find something to empathize with. Like for example, there are some people on this planet that annoy me. Just kidding. I, I, I wouldn't do that, but still. We walk out of here and like half the population's gone. Danny was Thanos this whole time. And yet I4 is still clogged. Yeah. Honestly, it's still it would, would be, be for sure. It would be. Absolutely. No amount of population control could ever stop I4 from being clogged. The snap takes out half of all existence, but no one in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> I could see that happening. It's a monkey's paw. Like if you're thinking about it just logistically, right? There would be entire states that barely changed probably like just like the montana. way it would work out like montana Mont yeah <laughs> montana's like oh no one yeah. knows there's like a half the population of horses there are left that's it yeah who thinks the last person to find out you know you're not the first person to realize how the population's got the last sane regular person to walk outside and just be like really like a zombie apocalypse prepper there's yeah. someone out there like <laughs> in probably montana with just like a a barbed wire gate around their house that never leaves, has everything shipped in, and just doesn't talk to anyone. I, I find those shows kind of cool, the Doomsday Prepper. I mean, I don't oh, think yeah. the end of the world is coming anytime soon, but just the thought process of like having a whole acreage farm, yeah. you know, garage. They just want to be away from everybody. It's really just an excuse to. Yeah. No. I think it's just an excuse to kind of have your own thing going. Like, you just want to get off and do your own thing. The less organizations you can deal with, the better. They're like, if I don't have to talk to the government the police the road guys the neighbors i'm good i just pay mm -hmm. my taxes once a year leave me alone you get too bored though you would get too i pay bored. my no i don't pay taxes i pay my tribute to the bears so they stay away from my house yeah exactly go. simple existence that's right times are much simpler back then what do you think it would have been like just living in colonial times terrible it's like I can understand why everybody think there was drip, but besides that, the whole dump situation. Sorry, but the bathrooms then that sucked. one's hard to get over. Although, that one's really hard to get over. I would much rather go ahead. If I offered you a hundred thousand dollars right now, but all air conditioning in the world shut off, would you take it? Fuck no. Fuck no. Colonial times would suck. You wouldn't even go back there for a hundred thousand dollars. If I paid no. you, you'd say hell no. You wouldn't even take the air conditioning. And, the, and, and the worst part <laughs> no. is, even if it's hot, you still have to wear like all of those layers of clothing. That's the thing. Like, yeah, before air conditioning, they wore, like, 13 layers of clothes just to go to a 7-Eleven. We have a problem with no air conditioning. You know what's worse? No heating. Oh, that's oh yeah. 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 Florida boys don't have that problem. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, even then, it's just like what I was saying before about professionality and how you look. It's like, of course, they had to make sure they looked their best back then. But at the same time, if you're one of the first colonizers of Florida or something like that, you had to battle with the elements, including all the mosquitoes that probably had malaria. Oh, uh, yeah. no, it was more about too. the mosquitoes. Yeah, I think I'm taking a little bit of sweat over malaria. Do you know Brody is actually three times more likely to be bitten by a mosquito than anyone else I've ever met? It's true. Why is this? I wish I could tell you. I, I've done a lot of research. and There's a lot of disagreement on this point. Like, some people think it's about blood type. Some th people think it's about if you have more carbon monoxide that comes off of you, if your metabolism is this way versus this way. There's carbon so many monoxide? Yeah, yeah. They're attracted to it or something. I might be using the wrong... Yeah, carbon dioxide, because carbon monoxide yes. is... Uh, incredibly toxic, right? Yeah. Not that one. Not right. that one. A yeah, different one. one. Carbon actually, dioxide. Carbon monoxide is actually what happens when you turn your car on and leave it on uh, in a garage. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that would probably just kill the mosquitoes, too. Well, and like everyone this. along with it. Yeah. So I, I, there's a lot of disagreement on this point, but for whatever reason, when it's mosquito season, I could walk outside at like 6 p.m. for 
13 seconds and have 30 bites. You can use him to keep mosquitoes off of you. If Brody's just in the range, they'll all go to his body, and you can just walk next to him. It's all right. One's got to take one for the team, champ. Yeah, that's it. Thanks, Brody. I'm the lightning rod for mosquitoes. You know what? You're doing a great service. Thank you. (laughs) Speaking of that, um, that one line from 2 Chains is like the one line that goes, to all those guys who died in the service, I died (laughs) in her cervix or something like that. To all the soldiers who died in the the service, I died in her cervix. That's what it is. (laughs) That line is insane. Here, ice cold, but (laughs) that's that's classic. It's classic, but horrible. I love Two Chains. Have you ever seen Two Chains' show where he just goes around trying the like most expensivest stuff? It's literally called Most Expensivest Things or something like that. (laughs) I love it, especially that's how he got his dog. It was like a French bulldog, I think it was like Francesco or something like that. Frenchies are so expensive. They are, but at the same time, I don't understand why they're so wanted because there's just a bunch of genetic defects with them. They do, yeah. I don't know what it is. I guess they're they're so chill and easy, probably. Aside from, like, the health stuff that they deal with, I think they're just very easy dogs to care for. Fair. Do you have any pets? Uh, (laughs) Um, Yeah, we're the petting zoo. We got four cats and two dogs, all adopted. Jeez. Yeah, all adopted. We walk into a shelter. We pick the one that feels the nicest, and we keep it. Oh, that's very heartwarming. Well. Yeah, we we uh, they're both sleeping in the room now at the foot of the bed. Oh, really? Not on the bed, but like off the bed on the foot. Well, you well you guys have the best uh, security system. I think about that a lot. Like they're both um, border collie pit bull mixes, so oh. they're like they're big enough that if if you broke into our house, I would absolutely regret being you. We have big dogs and four cats. Which yeah, might the, be more dangerous. Yeah, and the cats <laughs> they it's like the dogs can do like the main ground attack while cats can jump on them thus an aerial attack it's a cat that's the alpha for sure like there's there's a high, there's a pecking order and at the top is one of the cats for sure uh, cats no. are smart creatures the cats will eat the dog's food but the dog isn't allowed to eat the cat's food uh, by like their own rules they have some uh, kind of arrangement no doubt there's got to be something under the works that you two don't know about my one black cat bullies them out he just swipes them anytime they try to do anything you don't like How you gotta like, wonder like what goes on behind closed doors too like when you're not at the house like what do the cats how do the cats and dogs interact i imagine them like drinking beers and watching sports i hope so if I they're always... not doing that with me though then i'd have a lot of questions like i'd be like what's up guys like i thought we were cool <laughs> i feed you i change out where you poop they'd be like well, dad come on yeah. we don't want you hanging out with the dog and then yeah. and then you'd be like why are you talking right <laughs> i always wonder what my dog is doing when i'm gone what's your dog doing right now I feel like probably throwing a party or something probably. <laughs> whatever whatever we have people over for like a pregame or something there's like a twisted tea can on the ground he's taking it and like bringing it into my room and trying to drink from it. I feel like Sonny takes like really long, warm showers, lays out, allows himself to air dry while watching Netflix. I, <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. Oh, do you know what's really bad? So I love watching street food being made, especially from different countries. Same. And uh, one time I was watching something on uh, Netflix about that. And then Netflix was like, since you watch uh, Street Food Asia, one of the uh, things they recommended to me was this thing called Dog. <laughs> oh. Netflix. Oh, that's Netflix. what an assumption. The subtle racism. <laughs> you know, it's no big deal. No big deal. <laughs> Someone at Netflix corporate got fired over that. Yeah, or it's probably an Asian guy trolling. It's just it like, could be. <laughs> I'm obsessed with following the Instagram channels that follow all the food trucks, like travel around their town, try all the food trucks at different restaurants, and then post the best food in town. I think that's my food trucks are great. Yeah, food trucks are the best, but you can't find them, so I always need someone. Oh, to act- post them it's over there. actually the gun range that I work at is literally next to a whole 
place devoted to food trucks. Oh, that's, that's the best. Awesome. And it's kind of a weird paradox, but like the worse the food truck looks, the better the food is. Oh yeah. Like the more obscure area it's in, the more general and broad the menu is, the less specific. Like if it's it's no particular nationality or type of food. They just have everything. Yeah. That's the best. That's what you want. In exactly. What are some of your favorite food trucks around here? Hmm. I'd say the number one is there's this one that is on the way home to my apartment, like from the main strip of bars here downtown. I can never remember what it's called, but they give you like these giant boxes of mac and cheese that they fill all the way to the top. Some of the best mac and cheese ever. It's like right across from like MAA Robinson on the other side of Orange from there. Okay. Like over it. near the courthouse, kind of like on, on the way back to uh, the okay. Central Station where I'm at. So it's just the best mac and cheese around. What about you? Mm, we have a place in Jacksonville called Hippo Popsicles. And they like, <laughs> listen, and they freeze like real fruit and fruit juice into a popsicle. It's absolutely to die for. When I think about a food truck, right? I don't know why. But for me, I'm always thinking about, like, the logistics of what it takes to make the food back there. Ugh, so if you're, like, serving me chicken, I'm sitting here going, okay, how are they making chicken back there? How are they pouring out the oil? How are they storing this chicken? That's a lot of work. They're like, making missteps. When I'm thinking popsicles, I'm like, they pulled the popsicle out and handed it to me. Like, it's a popsicle. Okay, you know what? That's fair. You want to know where your food came from. Well, or I at least want to know that in a food... I, I think about whether in a food truck it would be simple to do or whether it's going to be a mess that they're half able to take care of. So, like, macaroni, you make a big vat of macaroni. That's easy. You can... Macaroni's easy. They sell those at Costco, like, full-on jugs. Exactly. It's boiling water, mm -hmm. pasta with some cheese, and then you can put stuff at it. Like that... But if you're doing something like, like say, chicken, which if it's undercooked... You're making, like, ratatouille. Right. Exactly. Where you're doing like gyro bowls or like sushi. It's like, I don't trust you to make sushi when you don't have elbow room. Like, there's no way that fish is. Fresh. You should not be making sushi in a food truck. That's what I'm saying. Think. Yeah. No. Uh, there's no way you have a white fin tuna in the back of your. Yeah, so I'm looking for simplicity in yeah, the food trucks. Ocean nightmare. Yeah. Like a quesadillas food truck. That's fine. Yeah. You make quesadillas. Got a panini press. Yeah, there. a panini press. Right. Okay. I can, I can believe that. <laughs> what about you? What's your favorite food truck around? That's a good question. I feel like you know a lot of food trucks because of events and stuff. Uh, there was this one Korean taco truck. Every food truck in Orlando crossing its fingers right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's a food truck technically, but it's called Taco China. It's um on Mills. It's um Mexican and Asian food fusion. Hmm. Okay. So like I had a Korean bulgogi burrito. That was pretty fire, actually. There's some really good uh, Korean food at Hawkers. Have you been there? I've ordered food from there. Yeah. They have the Korean wings are insane. Oh yeah. So actually, during the Korean War, black soldiers taught Koreans how to make fried chicken, and then they made Korean fried chicken, which is dank as fuck. Is it like twice fried or something? Yeah, something. Have you like guys that. ever eaten a banchan? Does that sound familiar? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they, I have think... A, they have a Korean fried chicken place in Jacksonville called Banchan. I'm telling you, I must have eaten there 20 times this year. It is some of the absolute best fried chicken, if not the best fried chicken. Wait, I've I think had. they might have a store in Virginia, and we bought from there, actually. They have a couple, and then they have, like, in their restaurants, like I've been inside, because they, they're usually connected to, like, Cinemark movie theaters. Of course right? they are. So <laughs> when we were, we were, they have a map inside, and there's, like, a bunch in Korea and China, and then, like, ten along the East Coast. Nice. <laughs> That's it. Interesting. If they have locations over there locally, that's got to be pretty authentic, right? You would think, think, right. Or maybe it's just completely diluted by the time it gets here. I mean, it tastes really good, so I don't care either way. 
True. Yeah, so this is a very lovely studio that you two have, and I am very honored that you uh, allowed me to stop by and test it out. We're honored that you wanted to come in and record it. Thank yeah, you thank you for here. joining us. Absolutely, and thank you for having me. So like we said, we're going to put all the Content Corner Studios social media links in the description box below. They promoted that they are here for anyone that has a fresh idea for a decent price, that uh, anyone can come in here and turn it, their dreams into reality. And any other things you two want to promote before we head out? Yeah, I would say in general, uh, you mentioned a decent price, but honestly, if you're looking to come create a podcast and you know what you're doing, we're open to just have you record no charge if it's a cool concept that we can get behind. Our biggest thing for this is, you know, we just want to be kind of a presence in the Orlando area and allow for more content for the Orlando area and be kind of a promotional hub. So if it's a really cool idea that we can get behind and that we believe in, we'll make it work. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Devin, got any last words? No, I think that summed up about perfect, Brody. Kind of follow that. Excellent. Well... Uh, with that all being said and done, I'm Danny K of the Big DK Energy Podcast, and we are signing off. Absolutely. All right.